Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. The crisis in the church has hit a new stage. Many are noticing that things appear to be speeding up. You know, years ago in his interviews with Malachi Martin and in other interviews, the late-night radio host Art Bell described the increasing speed that world events were occurring at that time in the 1990s as a sort of quickening. We now, 30 years later, see a quickening of sorts happening in the church, with declaration after declaration being made that upends Catholic morality, using wording that only appears ambiguous to those not familiar with Jesuitical thinking. Today, we have a couple of separate but related stories meant to provide comfort to those who are despairing during the ongoing crisis in the church. Two good bishops have taken note of this increasing speed in the crisis in the church and offer guidance for our time. Headline from the Catholic Herald, Cardinal Seurat, The crisis of the church has entered a new phase. No kidding, right? In the past week or so, we've seen the church functionally surrender on the issue of, we'll call them ideologies of the flesh, by accepting the idea that someone doesn't have to accept the natural order of things in order to be baptized, and that they may continue living a life objective sin after being baptized, because the secular world tells us it's all real. And as Cardinal Mueller pointed in his video I brought you earlier in the week, it's an absolute novelty in the history of the church. Cardinal Seurat made his comments here before the document by Francis's dicastery, The Doctrine of the Faith, was released. The retired cardinal made these statements during the waning days of the Synod on Sin at the book release party for Bishop Athanasius Schneider's book, Credo which is, unfortunately, pretty much sold out anywhere you try to buy it. And so you'll hear some endorsements of the work in the excerpts I have from his address there. So, from his address, quote, At the time of serious crisis in the church, of confusion, and especially as all too often, we hear so many discordant opinions coming from the mouths of so many high-ranking prelates on doctrinal and moral issues, and on the acceptance of ideologies that deny God and his teachings on the nature and mission of man, the publication of the book Credo, Compendium of the Catholic Faith, is an initiative of great importance and has come at the right time. Indeed, a true cacophony reigns today in the teachings of pastors, bishops, and priests. They seem to contradict each other. Each one imposes his personal opinion as if it were a certainty. The result is confusion, ambiguity, and apostasy. Great disorientation deep bewilderment, and devastating uncertainties have been inoculated in the souls of many Christian believers. The German philosopher Robert Spayman aptly described this bewilderment with a quotation from the first letter of St. Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians, For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? See 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 8. This is precisely why I wrote in my endorsement, so much is said by so many about the Catholic faith today. Some of it is confusing, some, uh, some is downright erroneous, that we must be profoundly grateful to Bishop Schneider for this faithful, succinct, profound, and truly up-to-date exposition of the teaching of the Catholic Church, utterly conscious of the duty received at his Episcopal consecration, faithfully to hand on intact that which he himself has received in the living tradition of the Church, in this compendium, Bishop Schneider invites all men and women of goodwill to deepen, and even, where necessary, to correct 
their knowledge of Catholic doctrine. His clear and concise questions and responses facilitate this, whilst his assiduous notion of sources encourages a deeper exploration of the riches of the faith. While I am sure that this book will serve Bishop Schneider's aim of coming to the aid of those little ones who are hungry for the bread of right doctrine, it will also prove to be an important tool in the essential missionary work of evangelization and apologetics in announcing the saving truth of Jesus Christ in our world that so desperately needs it, end quote. The kind words of Bishop to Bishop Schneider's book aside, which dominated a lot of that, he's not wrong in his assessment about the state of the church. People still treat Francis as if he's some divine oracle who can change the immutable laws of nature on a whim. I saw people in tra self-described traditional Catholics trying to defend that dubia statement last week. It was amazing. People just in general treat ambiguous statements that aren't ambiguous at all, if you understand Jesuit logic, as if they're holy writ or some new revelation handed down from on high, instead of treating Francis for what he really is. Confusion reigns, fostered by Rome itself, with very few bishops actively standing up against the errors we see promulgated today. And perhaps the most worrying part of all of this is that the bishops who do speak out are mostly retired, or closing in on retirement age, and won't be able to even participate in any way at the coming conclave that will choose Francis' successor probably in the next two or three years. And we know that given the rule changes that we know are coming for the papal election process, which the Vatican has been denying vociferously are coming, but come on. Confusion is likely to continue to reign until our Lord intervenes. That's why keeping the faith is the most important thing you can do today, which includes knowing the faith well enough to correct others when they repeat the errors coming out of Rome these days. Cardinal Seurat echoes this sentiment in his address, quote, we do not believe in a doctrine, but a love of person, Jesus Christ, in whom we believe. We do not believe in dogmas, ideologies, or the wisdom of the world. See 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. But through our faith in Jesus Christ, each one of us can say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20. We believe in him who said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me walketh not in darkness, but shall have the light of life. See John chapter 8, verse 12. In the absence of light, everything becomes confused. It is impossible to tell good from evil. There is an urgent need, then, to see once again that faith is a light. For once the flame of faith dies out, all other lights begin to dim. In fact, the light of faith is so unique since it is capable of illuminating every aspect of human existence. A light this powerful cannot come from ourselves, but from a more primordial source. In a word, it must come from God. See Lumen Fide, lines 3 to 4. When we speak of a crisis in the church, it is important to point out that the church, as the mystical body of Christ, continues to be one holy Catholic and apostolic. The sources of theology and the church's doctrinal and moral teaching remain unchanged and unchangeable. The church, as the continuation and extension of Christ in the world, is not in crisis. It is we, her sinful children, who are in crisis. She, the church, enjoys the promise of eternal life. The gates of hell will never prevail against her. Jesus says to Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. We know and we firmly believe that in her there will always be sufficient light for one who sincerely desires to seek God. End quote. 
It's not doctrine and dogma we believe in. We believe in Christ, and from that belief in Christ, all doctrine and dogma comes. The terminology, though, of the crisis in the church is useful as shorthand, but it is always we must always be remembering that we're talking about a crisis among professed believers, some of whom are either infiltrators themselves or are more likely at this point the byproduct of past infiltrators in the church, as Bella Dodd spoke about in her landmark book, School of Darkness. The church remains perfect, even if those running the church in our time are far from perfect, and they certainly need our prayers. Now, here we turn to Bishop Schneider, who in his conversation recently with John Henry Weston for his podcast, describes the reign of Francis as a heavy cross to bear for the faithful. Quote, Bishop Schneider explains that the laity have the right to ask their pastors to be flourished with the milk of sound doctrine, using an analogy from St. Caesarius of Arles, a church father. According to St. Caesarius, the laity can petition the hierarchy to transmit the faith to them in the same sense as it was always understood, perhaps addressing bishops with examples of traditional catechisms, such as the Baltimore Catechism. Even so, the faithful can themselves pass on the traditional faith through modern means, such as conferences and through the internet. Schneider further stresses that the problem of the Francis pontificate should be looked at from the vantage point of eternity. The church is neither in the hands of Francis nor ours, but in those of Jesus Christ, and therefore only he can resolve the problems of the current pontificate. To attempt to fix the problem ourselves will only exacerbate the problem with the potential rise of antipopes. Schneider speaking here, I think this is one of the heaviest crosses which God can lay upon our shoulders, this pontificate, Schneider says. But in the end, at the same time, we have to pray for Pope Francis, that he may be illuminated, that he may gain and obtain the grace as John XXII obtained before he died, to repent, to retract, end quote. The reference at the end to Pope John XXII was the fact that he was essentially accused of heresy, uh, being a notorious heretic, but he repented at, the, at his final times. Not to be confused with that of uh, John XXIII, who it is often said on his deathbed begged the people to end the council who were in this room with him, because he saw that Vatican II has been turning into a catastrophe. Although it's worth noting that he did start Vatican II with good intentions. If you read the schemas that he and Cardinal Ottaviani put together and submitted to the actual council fathers of the time, they are very different than what we got in the end, except for one document. But Schneider's point overall does dovetail nicely with that of Cardinal Seurat. We've never really seen anything like this in the church, and this is a test of our faith. We are to keep the faith, not run off to some Eastern schismatic group or embrace materialistic atheism or the errors of Luther. We are to hold fast and rigidly to the faith, come what may, and God will sort this out eventually. He will. It is a heavy cross to bear, but bear it we must. Regardless of whether Schneider is right about the validity of the current alleged papacy, one way or another, we must bear this cross and trust in Christ. But what do you think of what Schneider and Cardinal Seurat have to say here? Are you? Do you agree that the crisis in the church has entered a new phase, even if we're not quite sure what that phase is yet? maybe summed up as the uh, synodal church, maybe the birth pangs of the ape of the church, as some of us might say it. Let me know what you think of all that in the comments, please, and hit like and subscribe because it does help. So to share this on social media, that helps a lot too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.